Let's open up our Bibles now and turn to the reading of God's Word. Uh, We want to read from several passages this afternoon. We'll look first at Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 verses 1 through 14. Uh, All of these passages are in connection with Lord's Day 25, which uh, begins the dealing with the subject of the sacraments, uh, which we'll talk about what that means. And so we want to begin by looking at some of the, the sacraments of the Old Testament in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant between you You shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations He who is born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Uh, So far, I guess it went too far. We'll stop there. Um, Now we'll turn also to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew... 26. We'll read verses 17 through 29. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. 
It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So far, and then we'll also turn just a page or two forwards to Matthew 28, and we'll read verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So far, the reading of God's Word. Now, every Sunday in the afternoon service, we also open up the Heidelberg Catechism as a summary of Christian doctrine. And we find ourselves this afternoon in Lord's Day 25, which, as I mentioned, begins a new section um, uh, relating to the sacraments. So we'll read that Lord's Day as well. It's on page 539 of your books of praise. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all His benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise, that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the Word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. So far from the catechism. (coughs) Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we come today to the topic of the sacraments in, in the Heidelberg Catechism as you're working your way through. I was told that this is where you're at, so I sort of had the opportunity to uh, begin a series of, of studies on the sacraments. Now, I want to acknowledge from the outset that there may be among us a number of different reactions to the idea of doing a series of, of sermons on the sacraments. Uh, and, and spending you know, several weeks studying this topic. Uh, new Christians, for example, often find the sacraments to be uh, strange and mysterious. 
for many, the sacraments are just one of those things about the Christian faith that you never really understood why they're even there, uh, that, that you're not quite sure what their meaning is. Uh, even the word sacrament is, is a strange, unusual word. It's not something you use on a day-to-day basis. And, and, and sometimes new Christians are even awed by the sacraments. They seem like this strange, mysterious ritual. You wonder, is there, is there some special power associated with, with what happens there at the sacraments? Uh, among older Christians, or those who have been Christians for some time, there are often two different extremes with regards to the sacraments. On the one hand, uh, there are those of a high church liturgy who hold the sacraments in a very high esteem, uh, but sometimes almost even to a superstitious degree. Uh, Many church traditions even talk about the sacraments as the mysteries of of the Christian faith, and that's the word that the Roman Catholic Church still uses, the, the mysteries of, of the, the, the church. Uh, and, and the Roman Catholic Church, to give an example, has an elaborate system of, uh, of rituals surrounding the sacraments, complete with the bells and candles and Latin words spoken by the priest. And all of it conveys this, this sense of mystery and, and power and uh, something, something very special, almost as if the sacraments have power in and of themselves. And, and the reality is, even among Reformed churches, there can be those who, who think of the sacraments in that same sort of extremely high church manner, where, where they're almost spoken of as if they're dangerous, uh, if you're not careful around them, like they have some, some power in themselves. On the opposite extreme, there are many Christians who think very little of the sacraments, uh, and perhaps feel like we could get by just as well without them. That wonder why? Why do we even need these these sacraments? They don't find the sacraments to have any real special significance in in their life, and maybe they they consider them overrated. Like there is just not a big deal to them. Uh, and and maybe there are some in this congregation who are in that camp. Uh, I've heard it before, and maybe you've heard it too. Uh, that someone says, "I just don't, I don't get." the sacraments. Uh, they don't do anything for me. I just don't feel like they, they're, they're any use in my life. Uh, they, don't, they don't make a difference. Well, the goal over the next uh, couple of weeks as we, as we study then the sacraments is to come to a deeper appreciation for the sacraments as something given to us by Christ for our good. Because it's good for us. Because Christ sees a good that is met by, by the sacraments. Uh, and also then, as, as we learn about them, to avoid some of the, the wrong ways of thinking about them uh, that can end up uh, becoming harmful to our faith, where we're, we're too superstitious or cautious about the sacraments in ways that are, that are unhealthy. Uh, but this afternoon, I want to just focus then on the concept of sacraments in general. To, to look at Scripture, some of the texts that we, we just read together, and to think about what are the sacraments? What place do they have in the Christian life? The two sacraments we have, as the Catechism also pointed out, are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, in other traditions, you'll find more. Uh, for example, Lutherans have three sacraments, baptism, Lord's Supper, and penance, or confession slash, slash penance. Uh, and 
the, the Roman Catholics have seven sacraments in their tradition. So they'll include things like, uh, well, there's penance, there's anointing of the sick, there's holy orders. In, in other words, becoming a monk or a nun is treated as, as a sacrament. Uh, even marriage is considered a sacrament in, in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, depending on how you want to define sacrament, that could be correct. Uh, if, if you're saying my definition of a sacrament is simply that which is sacred that happens within the church, uh, you could call some of those things sacraments. Uh, marriage is, is sacred, and, and marriage ceremonies take place within the context of the church. So uh, it, it's a sacred thing that happens in the church. And yet, what we as Reformed, as a Reformed church recognize is there's a difference, isn't there, between that which is sacred and happens in the church, and a sacrament as a special ceremony that Christ has ordained for the church as a whole. And that also uh, excludes things like holy orders. Uh, Maybe a comparable thing in our day would be the the installation of office bearers, uh, where we say, yeah, that's, that's a sacred thing. Uh, some churches even do, do a laying on of hands as a, as a symbol of, of authority being conferred. It's a sacred thing, but it's, it's different than a sacrament. It's not something ordained for the whole church as a special picture and symbol of the gospel. So we recognize there's a, there's a difference there. Uh, marriage is a picture of Christ and His church. We saw that this morning, but it's, it's not every Christian will be married. Uh, it's not meant for the whole church as a sacrament that belongs to the church. Uh, Confession of sins uh, and penance that the Lutherans have as a sacrament. Uh, Depending on how you understand that, those those can be sacred and holy things. We're called as Christians to confess our sins to one another. Uh, That is a good thing, and every week we do that. We read the law, we confess our sins uh, together as a congregation, and and each of you confess your sins to one another uh, during the week. Uh, those are good things. You could even say they're sacred things, but they're different, aren't they, in character from, from baptism and Lord's Supper as special outward rituals that point to, and symbols that point to the gospel. Uh, the, there's one interesting one uh, from the Roman Catholic Church, and that's the, the anointing uh, with oil. That's uh, last rites in, in the Roman Catholic uh, Church. Uh, and, and they base it off of, off of uh, a text in James where he says uh, that those who are sick should be anointed with oil and prayed over. And uh, it's, that's not, it's not wrong to do that. There are Reformed churches that still do that, um, that do the anointing with oil and praying over. Uh, in our culture, we typically just pray over them uh, because there, there tends to be a superstition attached to the oil uh, and so we, we, but we still do. We pray over those who are sick, and we can say that too is is sacred. And it happens in the church, in in the in the uh, prayer, congregational prayer. We pray for those in the church. It's that's a sacred thing, but it's different still, isn't it, than than a sacred symbol or ceremony that points to the gospel, given to reassure us in in the gospel. Uh, so. You can say it's a bit of an academic question, how many sacraments does the church have? But behind that, that question is a question about the meaning and significance of the sacraments. Uh, we, we can acknowledge that there are sacred things that happen in the church, uh, but we don't want to raise those things 
to the level of the sacraments that Christ has ordained for the whole church. Because they, they can then become harmful when they're raised to that level. So for example, uh, last rites uh, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, this, this praying over the sick has now been combined with, with a last mass and, and is treated as something you have to have before you die. And, and there, are, there are superstitions around it that if we don't get last rites before we die, then uh, our, our salvation might be put into question. That's unhealthy. Uh, that's not what James intended when he talked about praying over the sick. That's not what we want uh, for, for us as a church. So Christ has given us two sacraments that he says is for the whole church. All right, so having said that, what are the sacraments? That's the question that's posed in, in the Heidelberg Catechism. And uh, the definition given there is, is a good one. We can work with that. It says there that the sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals instituted by God so that by their use He might the more fully declare and seal. So you see those two dynamics. Declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. Now I know that... that may sound like familiar language to many of you, as many of you have also grown up memorizing the catechism, but it's good to just stop and reflect briefly on on what each of those words mean. Uh, The sacraments are signs and seals. By saying they're they're signs, uh, the catechism is is saying that they're essentially symbols, pictures of, of something. You know, that's what signs do. Signs point to something. If you're driving down the road and you see a sign that points uh, my left, your right, um, then, then you, you know, okay, the road's going to turn right. Our, our, our four-year-old is in that stage where he sees every sign and wants to know what it means. Uh, he saw you know, the signs of the jumping deer, right? That's a deer crossing. The other day, our, our, our son said, look, it says, John, watch out for John Deere. Uh, you see the, the deer. Uh, but that's what signs do. They point to something up ahead uh, as, as a picture of something pointing to the reality. The sign isn't the reality. It points to the reality. Uh, and, and so the sacraments are signs. They are pictures of realities that Christ has promised us. And not only are they signs, the catechism says they're also seals. And what's a seal? A seal is a guarantee you know, not the, the animal kind. Uh, a seal, like, the, like a king's signet ring, is a guarantee, a, a promise of something. So not only do the signs, uh, the, the sacraments point as symbols, they also promise as guarantees. Uh, they, they promise something. Uh, so in medieval times, kings would have a, a king's seal, a signet ring, uh, which, which they would use to, to either seal a letter or, or a document, and that would be proof, a guarantee, that this comes from the king. Uh, and, and that's how you would know. Uh, and, and the sacraments are meant as seals, promises that, that something is given to us from, from Christ. Uh, you can see that Jesus meant them to be taken in that way, uh, even by the way he spoke of them. So in Matthew 28, uh, he commanded the disciples to go out uh, to, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and that baptism is a seal of their belonging to Christ, a seal that they are now part of Christ's, Christ's church. They're baptized in his name. Uh, that's why in, in Acts 2, 
where Peter preaches a sermon to, to the Jews who are gathered in Jerusalem and 3,000 people uh, repent and believe, uh, the next thing is they are baptized as a seal that having now repented, you belong to Christ's church. Your sins are, are forgiven. That baptism is the promise, the guarantee of their forgiveness in Christ. And the same you can say of, of the Lord's Supper as well. It is not only a picture of something, it's a promise of something, a seal. So in, in John 6, verse 51, the Lord Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And, and that's, uh, I believe, an allusion to the Lord's Supper there. And it's meant as a promise. It's a guarantee. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. It's meant to, to seal, to assure, to guarantee something. Uh, so it's not just a picture, but a promise. Now, as, as we delve into that, uh, we want to avoid the temptation to, to see the sacraments in isolation from the promises to which they're attached and the covenant of God to which they're attached. Uh, so we tend to do this. We, we want to ask immediately, okay, okay, if it's a promise, what exactly does it promise? How far does that guarantee go? Um, if, if, if I'm baptized, is that an automatic guarantee that I'm now going to go to heaven, that I'm now uh, saved? Or if I eat of the bread at the Lord's Supper, is, now, is that now an automatic guarantee uh, that, that I will now be saved. Uh, the problem with that line of thinking, though, is, is it's disconnected from the Lord Jesus Himself and the, the relationship with which He gives that promise. Uh, it, it assumes that somehow the, the, the sacraments work all by themselves, and they don't. Uh, they're promises given by Christ in relationship with Christ. Uh, so so that, that way of thinking misses the point for which they're intended. Uh, the best illustration for this that, that I know of, and I use this in catechism, I'm sure you've heard it, or many of you, is, is that of a wedding ring. It's a promise, that it's a sign of, of my wife's commitment, and it's a seal of her commitment. Um, it's given to me so that every time I, I see it, I'm reminded of her commitment, uh, her, the promises she's made. Uh, but it would be wrong-headed, wouldn't it, if I started asking, well, how far does that guarantee go? Um, like, if I got the ring, is that proof that it's happily ever after no matter what I do? Well, no, that's silly. It's, it's taken in with the relationship with which it was given. Uh, there, there are still expectations of, of, of that relationship to be ongoing. Uh, so what you do with it and how you use it makes all, all the difference. Now, the same is true of the sacraments that Christ gave us, baptism and the Lord's Supper. How you use it, taking it in the relationship with which it's given, makes all the difference. Uh, and, and a wedding ring, this, this illustration is helpful also because it shows some of the middle way between uh, the two extremes. The one extreme that says, I don't really know why we have uh, sacraments. And the other extreme that, that holds them in, in such high regard that they're treated as, as dangerous uh, it, it shows, no, they're not, they're not, a wedding ring isn't powerful and mysterious in its own right, but it's also not insignificant. It's taken with the promise with which it's given. Uh, it, it's good also to recognize for us as Christians that the sacraments are not unique only to the New Testament. Uh, there were sacraments in the Old Testament as well. 
Uh, we don't usually call the Old Testament ceremonies sacraments, but it's, it's an appropriate word. It's a term that fits. They were, they were signs, pictures, and seals, promises of, of the gospel before the coming of Christ. Uh, now, there are differences. In the Old Testament sacraments, there was shedding of blood. With Christ, the blood has been shed once for all. Our sacraments don't have a shedding of, of blood because it's already, already been shed. Uh, and, and, and so there are, there are certainly differences, and yet you can still learn about the place of sacraments in the church by looking at the way they were used in the Old Testament. Uh, so the institution of circumcision, we read about that in Genesis 17. It was a sign, circumcision was a sign that God gave to Abraham after making his promises. So you see, it's, it's a sign given together with the promises, meant as a seal of those promises. Uh, he, he calls circumcision my covenant. He says, this is the covenant I make with you. Uh, every male among you shall be circumcised. There's an association. The sign represents the covenant. And if someone didn't circumcise their children, they were cut off from the covenant because they were rejecting the sign that God had given with it. Uh, so, Old Testament and New, God institutes these symbols to point us to the promises that are there in, in the covenant. Alright, having said that then, let me take a moment to address uh, the tendency on this end of the spectrum. Uh, among many, many Reformed Christians, as well as many modern Evangelical Christians, uh, to sort of downplay the significance of, of the sacraments. Uh, sometimes to the point that we kind of wish they weren't there at all. We don't see why, why we need them in the first place. There are different reasons for that, and, and some of them are, are more understandable as well. Uh, some Christians uh, on this end of the spectrum then downplay the sacraments because it's a reaction against, against all the wars and fighting that has surrounded the sacraments. A bit of an understandable reaction. You think of how much blood has been shed over over the meaning of the sacraments. Uh, and even in, in Reformed churches, we, we have a bit of a history about, uh, of conflict regarding the sacraments. So sometimes on this end of the spectrum, there's, there's simply a reaction against the, the infighting that wants to do away with the sacraments altogether. And we want to recognize that's an overreaction. Um, just because there has been constant infighting, and some of it justified, uh, does not mean that we do away with the sacraments, it means we, we seek to understand, we seek to teach, and we seek especially to listen to what does Scripture teach uh, about these things. And we don't just react against it and say, well, this just causes fights, so we don't want it anymore. That's an overreaction. Now, along maybe similar lines, there are some Christians who, who also downplay the sacraments because it's a reaction against the superstition surrounding the sacraments. And they feel like people are just too suspicious about it, so do away with it altogether. Uh, and, and it's true, people can sometimes be superstitious about the sacraments. Uh, but again, that's an overreaction. The solution is not to do away with what Christ has given us and commanded us to do for our good, for the strengthening of our faith. Uh, we don't just do away with it. Uh, there's a third reason, and I want to just think about this for a moment. Uh, some Christians sometimes want less to do with the sacraments because they have a wrong view of the body. 
Um, they, they, they downplay the significance of the body, as if um, what we do with our bodies is somehow less spiritual than, than what we do with our hearts and our minds. Uh, and so, you know, sacraments are bodily ceremonies. There's, there's water involved in baptism being poured on, on, on the one being baptized. There's bread and wine being consumed. And it's something we do with our bodies. And in our culture, there's, there's a bit of a downplaying to the, of the significance of the body as if it's somehow less spiritual. Uh, and, and, and that too is, is, is a wrong way of thinking. Uh, what we do with our bodies is, is not any less sacred than, than what we do with our minds. In fact, it's an expression of what lives in our hearts and our minds. So uh, you would never have a, a, a young mother saying, oh, I don't kiss my baby on the forehead because um, I love her in my heart. Um, so I don't, I don't do anything with my body. That's, that's silly because what we do with our body expresses what lives uh, in, in our hearts. And finally, perhaps most commonly, many Christians downplay the sacraments uh, because they just feel like they don't get anything out of the sacraments. They just don't feel like they're being fed or helped by, by the sacraments. Maybe you've heard this from someone. Maybe you've said it yourself. I, I just don't get anything out of them. Well, if you're in that category, I would say perhaps you're looking for something that the sacraments weren't intended to give. Uh, I mentioned before, the point of the sacraments is to show to us and seal to us the promise of, of the gospel. Many Christians expect something different from, from the sacraments, like they're going to have some special feeling uh, when they partake in the sacraments, but it, it's a wrong expectation. The sacraments are there, like a wedding ring, to point us to and assure us of promises that God has made to us. Uh, again, you think of Peter's words in Acts 2 to the people. He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, the repentance and the baptism go together. Uh, you don't take one in isolation from the other, expecting something unique from it, but you say this repentance or this baptism is an expression of, of my now belonging to Christ. Uh, it, and it's, uh, for an adult, it's also an expression of their repentance. Uh, when he says, repent and be baptized, how do you show that you've done so? You come forward to be baptized. That, that's your expression of, of repentance. Uh, and so this is why the Catechism asked that second question, uh, what are the sacraments for? Uh, are they both intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Christ? And the simple answer is, yeah, that's what they're for. That's why Christ gave them. Uh, and so, so that it's wrong-headed to look for something different than what the sacraments were just intended to, to provide. Uh, we also want to then uh, think, as, as we think about those who, who downplay the body, uh, going back to, to that, um, there's a point I missed here. That the Scripture does often speak of the flesh as, as, as something that is evil. But here, Scripture is not talking about our, our physical bodies as being evil, but our old and, and sinful nature. It's not as if the body itself is evil. And in fact, uh, Scripture emphasizes the, the sacred nature of, of our bodies. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your bodies. Or, or Romans 12, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's, there's sacramental language right there. 
Uh, present your bodies as a, a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What does spiritual worship look like? It looks like worship that is done through your bodies. Uh, in, in your daily acts of service, in your worship here in this congregation, what we do with our bodies, the songs that we sing, uh, the, the prayers that we pray with our bodies is spiritual worship and holy to God. And, and so the beautiful thing about the sacraments, as we bring this to a close, the beautiful thing about the sacraments is that through them, Christ gives us the opportunity to express with our bodies and receive with our bodies the spiritual promises that are made in the gospel. And so when the gospel calls you, repent and believe, how do you show that? If you say, I want to do that, but I don't know how to do that. Well, the practical way you may do that is by coming forward, uh, as, as those who profess their faith, coming forward to receive the bread, receive the wine, and thereby show, I belong to Christ. And there you have that promise, because people often wonder, uh, have I really repented? You know, do I really believe? Do I really belong to Christ? Well, you may come forward to the table, receive the bread and wine, and know that you do. Because that's your expression of faith. That's how you show, I want to belong to Christ. And so in, in this way, the sacraments are God's kind condescension to us as bodily creatures that says, here's how you may participate in, in the gospel. It makes the invisible visible. It makes the spiritual tangible and physical. And, and that, that very act of coming forward or, or bringing your child forward to be baptized is your act of faith, uh, visibly, tangibly performed. Uh, so we shouldn't treat the sacraments as, as sort of this awkward addendum to Christianity. Rather, it is a gracious opportunity from God to visibly express the spiritual realities that exist within us. Uh, so as you go forward in the next uh, few weeks studying the sacraments, uh, go forward enthusiastically wanting to learn then more of, of what these sacraments mean and why they matter uh, for our lives. Remember, Jesus gave them because he saw that it would be good for you as a church, for us as a church, to have them. Uh, the goal in this is not that you lose sight of the gospel to take a hiatus looking at the sacraments, but rather through the sacraments, you'd see a clearer vision and picture of, of the gospel. Amen.